Last Sunday, Pastor Mark led us through some really heavy territory in second chapter of Joel, starting at verse 18 and running down to verse 27. And verse 27 that he ended with gives me tremendous encouragement. He says, then, this is, then you will know, and I think I'm supposed to get the clicker. And, oh, all right, to the booth. Then you will know that I am among, among my people Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be put to shame. That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful promise. Beautiful. And that kind of leads us into where we're going today. We're going to cover Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And God's word is eternally hopeful and sometimes terrifyingly frank. This passage deals with the prophecy concerning the end times. And it also concerns the prophecy fulfilled in the book of Acts. So we're going to look at that today. Joel 2 says this, Then, after doing those things, I will pour my Spirit out upon the Spirit of all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And in those days I will pour out my Spirit even on the servants, men and women alike, and I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord. But everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord said, these will be among the survivors whom the God has called. I want to look at today verses 30 and 31 before we look at the other verses because that's kind of like the bad news. And I like to do the bad news first so I can enjoy the good news. So we're going to, we're going to go there and look at that. The words we've read just a moment before have a sense of finality and dread to them. And indeed, they warn us not to pay attention to nor ignore our relationship with God. We, we have to pay attention to it. We cannot ignore it. Because He is our salvation. He is our hope. Jesus is our only hope. He's our salvation. He's not willing that any should perish he doesn't want you, and he doesn't want me to be among those separated from the righteous at the judgment. He doesn't want anyone to miss the blessing of being in his eternal presence forever. He wants you and me to share eternity with him. Praise God. Let's look at that passage again with verses 30 and 31. And I will cause wonders in the heavens... And on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red. Before that terrible day of the Lord arises. 1969 was a 
a kind of a momentous year for me because I was scheduled in June, and I actually occurred to marry my wife Karen, and that was that was a really exciting and wonderful time for me. A little bit scary too, but but I was I was prepared for it because after we had both graduated from Evangel College and and we were home. I was home trying to work before we got married, and and uh, so I was with my mom. My mom and I in the house, and, and uh, one night I went to sleep. This was on, actually, it was on January the 25th, and I remember that. We, um, I went to sleep, and I, I slept. For some reason, I was sleeping with my face toward the window, and suddenly, like, bam, the sky turned blazing white. At 4.15 a.m., that's not supposed to happen. And I thought, wow, what is this? No, I didn't think that way. I thought, oh, my God. And I saw that light, and in about two or two and a half seconds, I heard this tremendous explosion. And I went, oh, wow, I better get out of bed and check this out. So I jumped in my clothes, and I went downstairs and went into the front yard. I forgot about you guys over there. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, you're way over there. Some over here, too. Hi, guys. I just thought about that, sorry. Um, But I ran downstairs, and I I was in the front yard, and I still couldn't really see what was going on. And about that time, it happened again. The sky just turned absolutely brilliant white. And I saw where the source of the light was. There was a flame, a fire, that was going about 1,500 feet in the air. And then again, there was this tremendous explosion. We lived close to an interstate, and there was a big overpass, and about two blocks away from us. I said, Mom, I'm going to go up on the overpass and see if I can get a better view of, of what's going on. Because and, and, I, I you know, you want to know what's happening when that's going on. And I walked up those two blocks, and I, I looked, and I really couldn't see anything any better. And while I was up there, boom again, and the light again. And I'm beginning to get a little bit concerned. I said, this is, I mean, once, once is, you know, that's unusual, but it, it's just going on. I thought, what in the world's going on? So I turned to go back home. And when I turned to go back home, let me ask you, anybody ever live in Florida? Nobody? Good gracious. Oh, a few. Yeah, okay. You know what an anthill is, don't you? Yeah. Have you ever, ever walked and just either accidentally or on purpose stepped on an anthill? What happens? Ants go crazy. Well, I turned to go home, and somebody stepped on the anthill. Every light in every house was on. People were in their yards. Some were screaming. I mean, screaming out loud, crying. It was absolutely crazy. People were running and grabbing clothing and throwing it into their car. I even saw a couple of guys lugging a big old television. And putting it in the trunk, I thought, what are you taking the TV for? So I got home, and I said, Mom, I can't see. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And back in those days, radio stations didn't stay on all night. And TV stations, so there, were not, there was nothing to tell you what was going on. And I was standing with my mom, and this car came screaming down the street, and it jammed its brake in front of our house, and it was my brother. And he said, get in the car. And I said, what? He said, I said, do you know what's going on? No, get in the car. It's coming this way. 
And he, my mom says, I need my purse. He said, forget your purse. Get in the car. This is serious. So we got in the car and we went out into actually a rural area. We still couldn't tell what was going on. So I finally said, let's go to my uncle's house because he'll know. And we went to his house. And sure enough, we got to his house about 530, been an hour, hour and 15 minutes or so. He had actually been down and found out what was going on. And what we found out the next day was this. There was a train going through town. It had 15 tanker cars. I don't know if you know what tanker cars are, but you should. There's a little big round box cars, not box cars, they're round cars that have fuel in them. Usually, it's other things sometimes too, but this particular train had 15 cars and they were full, 29,000 gallons in each car of liquid petroleum. And when that train derailed, derailed, one of the wheels cracked. And when it cracked, the whole train derailed. And when, they, when it derailed, one of those tanker cars got pierced. And that liquid petroleum began to pour out of that car. And you know what? There was lots of heat and lots of sparks. And boom, it set it off. These tanker cars weighed thousands of pounds. And it was throwing them two to 300 feet in the air and flinging them away from the railroad. And many of them, they were landing on homes and people's homes. Fifty-three homes were destroyed that day. And over a hundred were severely damaged. Two people died. Fifty-something people went to a hospital to be treated. It was a time, just a little period there, of absolute terror. Absolute terror. The whole town was affected by it. It was was on a Saturday. Saturday morning and People, you could just see it. People were just like jumpy and nervous all day long. And nobody, nobody slept on Saturday night. You would close your eyes and go, I wonder if it's going to happen again. Because it had a tremendous impact on us. And that, that, that scene gave me a little bit of insight into what it's talking about, about how terrible the day of the Lord will be. The next morning was Sunday, of course. We went to church, and guess what? You couldn't find a place to park. This little town had over 150 churches in it. And every church in that town was filled to capacity. Filled to the capacity. And in some churches, it was standing room only. You know why? Because people got a clear vision of what can happen at any moment. And a lot of them went, you know what? I've been shortchanging you, Lord. (laughs) I need to get in church. Now, the next Sunday, I don't know where they went, but they weren't there. (laughs) Which tells you how short our memory span is. It was a terrible and frightening experience. It was, again, the day that I glimpsed into that terror. Now, trust me, that day is coming. And the Word of God tells us that it is coming. And we want to know Jesus Christ. We want to be secure in Him when that day arrives. And I believe we are. You are here this morning because of that. So thank you for displaying your faith in Jesus Christ by being in His house on Sunday morning. I turn our attention to Joel again in chapter 2. We've already read it. But we're going to read it again, except we're going to read it in a different, little different spot. The prophecy 
of Joel 2, 28 and 29, became the promise of God fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Sometimes we get the idea that the Holy Spirit just shows up in chapter 2 of Acts, and that's just not the case. He was here all the time. We just, we just didn't quite understand it and know it. The Bible says in Genesis 1-2, And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God, and you can read that, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the surface of the waters. He was there. He was present. After all, He is God. The Spirit of God is evident throughout the Old Testament. But then there are a few instances where we see the Spirit of God actually coming on or falling on people in the Old Testament. David is a classic example of this in um, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. It says this, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, which would be David, in the midst of his brothers. And listen to this. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. How do you think David was able to fight the giant and be victorious? The Spirit of the Lord was with him. How do you think that David was kept safe all those years when he was running from Saul. The Spirit of the Lord was with him. It was on him. And we could go on and on and on and talk about that. But that's just an example of the Spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament coming. He was among his people. That's why when I, when I read that first, remember that first verse where it said he was among his people. When God placed his spirit on individuals in the Old Testament, it was for a specific purpose. His spirit was poured out on Samson for the purpose of vexing the Philistines with his supernatural strength. The spirit of the Lord showed up in him in strength. God's spirit in David made him the king and a great king. He was God's champion. And the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. The Spirit of God changed Gideon from the least of the least into the deliverer for God's people. Elijah was a prophet who formed numerous, performed numerous miracles. And we read in Scripture of his exploits and his deeds. It was because the Spirit of God was among our people, among the people of, of Israel. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's fully God. He's not some impersonal something that happens. You hear people talk about the Holy Spirit and say it. No, it's a he. It's, it, it's who he is. He's a person. Just like God the Father and God the Son, he is eternal. He's omnipresent, he's omniscient, he's holy, and he's almighty. Just like he's eternal. He has other attributes in the eternal tribune of the Godhead. He is an incredible gift to the church of Jesus Christ. His presence 
in the life of a believer is continuous and confirming. It's confirming and encouraging. It's life-giving and informing. He brings peace and provision and protection and wisdom and healing and power to the life of the church and to the life of the believer. He convicts us of sin. Thank God. He gives us new life. He lives in us and transforms who we are. He blesses us with spiritual gifts and the power to proclaim the gospel. His presence and his power is essential to you and me and to the body of Christ in general. The Holy Spirit, he's he's all good. He's eat up with goodness. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit rested on individuals one at a time. So he was in one place at one time. Wherever David was, the Spirit of God was with him. Wherever Elijah was, the Spirit of God was there. But there weren't many of those. If you read through the New Testament, I mean, Old Testament, there's not many of those. The incredible thing about the day of Pentecost and the New Testament is that God is not just among his people. He is in his people. He's in you. He's in me. He's in all of those who call on the name of Jesus Christ, whose sins have been forgiven. He is here. He's in us. Let's look at Acts 2, chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like tums, flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That's a wild, crazy scene. The 120 in that room were in the right place at the right time for the right reason. God poured his spirit out on those in the upper room. But you know what? He wasn't done. Because the Bible says the promises to you and to your children and to your children's children and their children and on and on and on. Listen, we are living in that promise today. You and I live in that promise and that assurance that God lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's a, that's a really, really, really good thing. I want to pick it up in verse 5 of, of Acts 2. It says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, remember, it says it was a loud noise, like a mighty rushing wind, and a loud noise. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. 
They were completely amazed. How can this be? And yet we hear them, these people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. What a miracle. What a miracle. We, uh, at 613 Adopt-A-Block up in York, we are ministering up there to different and varying people, but more and more we are listening. We are ministering to Hispanic people. I don't speak Spanish. There are times when I wish the Spirit of the Lord would come on me and I could speak Spanish because I'm trying to communicate and it's not easy. You have to do signs and gestures or sometimes you have to pull out your phone and go go to Google Translate. That's no way to have a conversation. These men heard them speaking in their own native language. Then Peter stepped forward. I'm sorry, skip that. They stood there perplexed and amazed. What can this mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure they did. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk. That's all. Have you ever doubted something that God did in your heart? You know it was a work of God, and yet you go, yeah, I'm not so sure. That's what the devil does. He comes and whispers to you, oh, you didn't really get changed. You didn't really get saved. You didn't really get healed. You didn't really fix that relationship. And we don't. It's, it's him. But, but Satan wants to dis- discount and nullify what God does in our lives. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit that keeps him from doing that. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. And then he makes this interesting. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. In other words, nobody gets their drunk on at nine o'clock in the morning. He says, be practical here, folks. He said, make no mistake, these people are not drunk. As some of you are assuming, 9 o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was, listen, predicted long ago in Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. The Bible says Peter's word pierced their heart. And they said unto him and to the other prophets, apostles, brothers, what should we do? Have you ever had anybody... When you were talking to them, said, and you explained the plan of salvation, and you planned Jesus' love, and they say, well, what should I do about that? What a wonderful question. What a wonderful question. Because it opens the door for us to think about, for talk about Jesus, and to tell them about what he can do in their lives. And but that's what they did. They, 
They said, what, what should we do? And Peter went, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children, to those far away and all who have been called by our Lord. Those who believed Peter, what Peter said, were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So in, in one day, the Holy Spirit came upon 120 people. And because of that, 3,000 people were added. Can you imagine? Because this was when the church began. Can you imagine your first service having 3,122 people there? And they didn't even know how to do church. All they knew was all the rituals and the, all the things that they did when they went to the synagogue. They didn't know how to do church. But God, the Holy Spirit says, it's okay, I got you. I'll show you how to do this. God always pours his spirit out for a reason. The 120 were baptized, and it was, they didn't even know what they were doing. They proclaimed the word of God, and people heard it, and it pierced their hearts, and they understood that they needed to do something. What a wonderful and incredible moment. God's Spirit was poured out in Pentecost for a reason. He's pouring His Spirit out even today. For a reason. If for no other reason, think again about Joel 30 and 31. You want to be around for that? No. You want your friends around for that? No. No. We could just go, I'm checking out, man. I found a better thing, a better gig over here. I'm going over here. I'm going to follow Jesus. Since that day of Pentecost, God lives in his I look around this room and I see you, and I don't even know most of you. But as I look and I span this congregation, I know the Spirit of God is in you because you know Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, guess what? You can meet him today, and the Spirit of God can come and live in you and revolutionize and change your life. There's work for us to do. There's work for us to do. God wants to display his power. Our culture is so broken. It is so wicked. And it so desperately needs the power and the presence of God. And you are walking around. We are all walking around with the spirit of God in us. And we need to let that spirit have a place in us and, and move in us and move through us. What's the use of having him in us if he doesn't work through us? God wants to display his power. He wants to release his comfort. He wants to give peace. He wants to show love. 
He wants to extend his hand of salvation. And he wants to bless us with his presence. He wants to provide and protect us. He wants to welcome the prodigal son and the prodigal daughter. He wants to heal the broken hearts and minds and bodies. He wants to work through you, my friend, and he wants to work through me. Holy Spirit wants to use you today. I know it may be hard for you to imagine. Little me? Little me? Because we struggle with that. We go, God, I'm not holy. I'm not spiritual. I don't know enough of the Word of God. There's too many things I don't understand. And God says, that's okay. The Spirit of God is in you. And if you'll let Him work through you, He can do dramatic changes. Remember Matthew 25? When the the Lord or the, the owner called three servants together and he gave them talents. He said, I'm going away. I'll be back. And he left. And in a little while, he came back. And he called the servants together and he asked them this question. It doesn't say this in Scripture. This is my own thing. But he said to them, what did you do What did you do with what I gave you? And that is a critical question. Not only in Scripture, but in reality, in you and in me. What did you do with what I gave you? We want the blessing of God. And He gladly and joyously bestows it on us. But then He says, What did you do? with what I gave you. God invested in 120 people in the upper room. And then just and on that same day, his investment in them paid a dividend of 3,000 souls. Everything that we find in Scripture, this sounds incredible, And it's hard to even take it in. Everything we find in Scripture can be ours. Because God lives in us. And He has all those attributes we talked about earlier that the Holy Spirit has. And because the Holy Spirit is in us and He has those attributes, you are prepared to do anything God calls you to do. Anything. God invested in those 120 in that upper room, and and there was an explosion, an explosion of God's grace and God's mercy, of God's power. You read through the book of Acts, and in instance after instance after instance, your mind gets boggled. You read about Peter walking down the street and just his shadow falling on people and their heel. It's not because there was anything special about Peter. You remember what he was like before? He was inconsistent. He was all over the place. And suddenly, Peter is focused by the Spirit and the power of God. Oh, 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 that the church today would be focused by the Spirit of God. I long for that church. 
I long for that. Because too many times I walk into situations, I go, oh, God, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. And he says, it's okay, I got this. There's no more wonderful words than when God says to you, calm down. I got this. You don't know what to say, but I do. You don't know how to respond, but I do. God wants you to use you and me. He wants to change our culture. I hate our culture in this country now. Not the people, but the culture. Because it is anti-God. It is anti-truth. It is anti-what is just and right. And it is, it is capturing our young people. And it is time for the church universal and the church specific to stand up and say, no more. It's time for grace to stand up and say, no more in York County. We're going to take a stand. Because there's too many hurting and broken people in our culture. And listen to me. There are broken people in our church not by their own design. They're broken because of sin and because of Satan and because of what he wants to do. He wants to destroy the work of God. And like the people in the upper room and like Peter and the apostles, he wants people that he can possess. He's looking for a body to work through because he doesn't have a body like ours. And so he looks for us. He says, I need a place to work. I need you to work with me. I need you to work for me. I need you to help me because there are people that you can reach that nobody else can reach. And you say, Alan, man, you don't understand how, light, how busy my life is. You don't understand how much I got. I got kids. I got responsibilities. I got obligations. And we got to have time for, to relax and take a break. And I, I know that, church. I'm just like you. Okay? I get tired. I get exhausted. But he said, I need to work through somebody. And you go, but Holy Spirit, how can I do that? How can I do that? And you know what he says? You know what he says? <laughs> it's just so beautiful. He says, clear out some things and make a place. Our daughter had to come live with us because she's had epilepsy and some other difficulties. And in order for her to come into our house, we had, to, we had to throw some things away. And we had to clear some things away. And we had to put some stuff and store it. We had to make, if we wanted her there, and we wanted to help her, and we wanted her to see the love of Christ, we had to make a place. It wasn't all that comfortable for me. I can't put my towel where I used to put it. I can't go to certain places now because I, I gotta get, oh, my daughter won't want to be there when we're together. But we have done what we can to make a place for her, and we think it's going to make a difference in her life. And what the Holy Spirit is saying and what God is saying to us is, Make a place. He's not asking us to give more hours. 
He's not asking us to make our life more complicated. He's saying, rest in me. Think on me. Talk to me. Do you, ever, do you talk to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I do all the time. I say, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your help right now. And I have never, ever, ever once had him turn a deaf ear to me. And he can do things that we don't even know he's doing. Many years ago, we lived in Jackson, Mississippi, and I worked in a, a clothing store because I, didn't, I wasn't always a pastor. And there was a little girl in there that worked. We had like three or four stores, and I was one of the managers. And this little girl was getting married, and she was a sweet little girl. I liked her a lot. Didn't know her that well, but I really liked her. I knew she was a Christian, and she was a godly woman. And she was marrying one of the guys that worked there, and I knew that guy. And he wasn't a really bad guy, but I knew he wasn't the guy for her. And she said, can you come and sing at my wedding? And I want to go, no, 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 no. Because I did enough of that that I was just like, if I never do another one, God, I'm good. But I said, okay, I will. And I went, oh, man, I got to go to the rehearsal. I hated rehearsals. They were so disorganized. And you've been there. You've been to some of those things. I know you have. <laughs> Does anybody know what's going on here? And I just didn't want to go. And then he said, this guy said, I want you to come to the dinner with us. And I went, man. I got to do that. He said, come on, man, please come. And every, I was screaming, no, 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 no. And my mouth said, yes. Have you ever done that? You're going, no, no, no. And your mouth goes, yes. And I genuinely, I, I genuinely didn't want to do it. And I was in no way feeling spiritual. I was kind of irritated. But I said, yeah, okay. They, they, they had to rehearsal at a church and never going to this fancy hotel, which I don't, I don't like fancy hotels either. I mean, sometimes, but not, 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 not what I usually run into. And I said, okay. And I remember getting in the car and going, God, I don't want to do this. And I pulled away. And for the life of me, I didn't know what was happening. But as I pulled away, and it was only a couple of blocks, three or four blocks to that hotel. But as I pulled away and was in my car, my mind had no spiritual thought in it at all. But as I pulled away, I began to weep. And I began to cry. And even though I was pretty dumb, I had sense enough to know that What's this about? This is the Holy Spirit. Because I, I, I had no reason. I wasn't worried about anything. I wasn't concerned about anything. I just didn't want to go to that rehearsal. Because there were people there I didn't know. And I didn't want to go sit beside a bunch of strangers and act nice. You, you've done that. You know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like, well, man, you're weird. No, I'm not. You did the same thing. <laughs> and I went in there and I sat down. And there was this young lady sitting next to me and you know how you do you do the courtesy say hey how are you my name's Alan you know you didn't go through all that it's all just like surface stuff you know and you have to do it and we were sitting there and we were just kind of chatting a little bit and I, I, and, I, and all of a sudden she looked at me and she said you're one of those aren't you 
One of those? One of what? And I said, uh, huh? That's Southern for I don't have a clue what you're saying to me. And she said, you're one of those. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, last week, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And she said, I've dreaded and hated coming to this wedding. She said, I love my friend, but I didn't want to be around a bunch of people I don't know because I'm still trying to figure out this faith thing. But she said, you're one, aren't you? Can I tell you that I felt so convicted that the Lord had to hit me upside the head so he could work through me? And I said, yes, I am. And we sat there and talked together and cried together. And she said, I don't think I could have made it through this if you hadn't sat down beside me. And all of a sudden, I knew what the tears were for. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that God was working. It wasn't me. And that's, what, that's how the Holy Spirit will work in you and me. Listen to me, church. You guys are wonderful. I am so proud to be part of grace. I really am. I don't know you first service people all that well, but the ones that I know I really like. <laughs> and I'm sure if I met all of you, I'd really like you. And I want to. I may not remember your name if you tell me, but because I'm 70 years old, you know, plus. But now I got to thinking about this and thinking about this. And the Holy Spirit needs a place to work. He needs a place to work. Guys, I was sitting behind you in worship. He needs a place to work. He needs to work in your life. You may not understand what I'm even talking about. God needs to work in you. Brittany, God needs to work in you. Michael, Holy Spirit wants to work in you. And he has been, he worked in you so more, but he got more. He's got more. Gil, God bless you, brother. Even as incredible as you are, he's got more. I guess I better find somebody on this side of the room. <laughs> I don't want to accuse him of being prejudiced. Guys, he's got more for us. He's made his incredible power available to us. We're equipped. We are equipped with whatever we need because he lives in us. There is nothing that he, can, he will ask us to do that we cannot do. And that's why that passage in Joel and in the beginning of, of Acts is so powerful. Because with the Spirit of God in you, you can be a Samson. Not do all the stuff he did, but you can be a Samson. With the Spirit of God in you, you can perform, you can win victories for God like David did. With him active in us, there can be some Elijah. There can be, there can be an Elijah in this body today. And the Holy Spirit can work in you in that way. We don't have to read the Bible and go, man, those guys were something else. 
Wish we had some people around that like that today. We do. They're sitting in this in this sanctuary. Kids. Spirit of God wants to use you. I've seen you. I know who you are. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We get so worried about because of all the all the technical stuff and all the power techniques and acts. We go, I'm not sure about that. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to do harm. He wants to do good and he wants to work and he needs to work in me and he needs to work in you. We're equipped. We've got everything we need, church. To do God's work in Southern York County. We have this incredible facility. We have a plethora of areas and ways and places to serve. We've got visionary leadership. We've got rich fellowship. And we have accesses to his presence and his resources. We go, I'm weak, but he says, I am strong. God, he can be strong in us. Give him a place here and a place here and see what he will do. This last side says he has a question for us. God says, don't bury what I've invested in you. Don't bury it. Make room for my Holy Spirit. Because one day, sometimes every day, He's saying to us, what did you do with what I gave you? We're all, every one of us in this room, have to answer that question. It's been so good to talk with you today. And as we sing, would you let the Holy Spirit talk to you? Just take a minute and have your own private little conversation with him. And say, Holy Spirit, what can I give you today? What do you want from me? And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if we will do that, we're already seeing some wonderful and incredible things. But I want to see that explosion of God's presence like they had on the day of Pentecost. One more time. One more time. Lord, in grace, fellowship, one more time. I want every seat filled. Not so we can say, oh man, we got 2,500 people. No, that is not it. It's because if we fill these seats, that'll be lives that are being touched by the power of God. And it'll mean what he put in us, we passed along. Thank you.